title of this morning's message is Merge. Matthew 5, 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Everybody say, I receive it. Everybody say, that's me. Everybody say, I'm going to do it. All right. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you believe it, say, I believe it. Hey, I want to do something this morning. I don't know why God's calling me to do this, but I'm going to ask um, Heath and April if y'all could help me lead out in this. If you guys could just come to the altar and begin to pray for a minute, and when, when you're done, you're done, go be seated. But when they get up and go back to their seats, I need another couple of people either side of the sanctuary just to come to the altar and pray, and just be praying throughout this whole service. I, I want a continual prayer time throughout this whole service. So when they get up to, to go um, back to their seats as God's finished up their prayer time, another couple, whether it's on this side or that side or a single person, individual, if God is laying it on your heart just to get up and come pray, get up and come pray and and go ahead and do it on either side uh, of the sanctuary. I I don't know what God's working on in somebody's life this morning, but he said, call some intercessors to just begin to start praying throughout the whole message today. So God is, God, I'm I'm just doing what you said in Jesus name. Amen. And so, so we know we are the light of the world and we are in a series called reach, which stands for raising eternal and community hope. And I love this verse out of second Corinthians. It's chapter number 10. It's it's verse 13. It's the last part of it. And it says, but we will celebrate. The the ESV says boast, but that term means celebrate. We will celebrate only with regard to the area of influence. And everybody say area of influence. God has given us a specific area of influence. That is our 20-mile radius that we talked about last week. Assigned to us to reach even you. God wants us to reach everyone in this 20-mile radius. And beginning in 2017, we're going to begin to do that. We will pastor our city very well. So well, in fact, by the time 2022 hits, we want to pastor 20% of this 20-mile radius. Amen. You do the math, that's a lot of people that we're reaching and reaching out to. And we want to come and get plugged in and be actively involved at TWBC. And so we're going to recognize our area of influence, and that's the 20-mile radius within the, the uh, premise, uh, uh, within the property of TWBC. That's the area we want to reach, and we are going to continue to go around the world. We said this last week. We will ignite nations. We're going to ignite nations as we go around the world, and that means to set ablaze or to set on fire. And so with the whole earth, we want to travel. We're going to go around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and our focus is to ignite nations. Go in there with the fire of God, ignite pastors, ignite other leaders, ignite business people, ignite Christians all around the world to go have an influence on their 20-mile radius. We're going to impact a four-state area, and the word impact means this. It means to leave an impression from one thing onto another thing, have a significant or major effect, and so We know that the power of God that's working through TWBC is going to help us make an impact on this four-state area. And and they have a map that they're going to show up, throw up there right quick of the four-state area that we're talking about. And it goes from Sulphur Springs is the red pin right there. That's actually TWBC. But then it goes to Dallas up 35 all the way to Oklahoma City, basically all the way across into Arkansas, down to Monroe, Louisiana, all the way back across to to there. And that's the four-state area that we're looking to impact over the next five years as we do a phenomenal job reaching, raising eternal and community hope with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? I don't know. You tell me. I'm wanting you to get vision. I want you to get vision. Hey, God wants me to start a ministry up in Oklahoma. Good, go. God wants me to do something in Arkansas. Good, go. God wants me to do something in Louisiana. Good, go. God wants me to do something right here in Silver Springs. Good. Stay here and do it. Amen. 
We want to impact this four-state area like never before. But here's what I'm most excited about. We can, we will, and we must influence the culture within a 20-mile radius of TWBC. And influence means this. It means to change culture, have such a significant impact in the area that we are, we no longer become useful to our community. We become necessary to this 20-mile radius so much so if that TWBC disappeared all in one night, there would be like a black hole uh, uh, of missing, of nothingness, because we have such a profound impact of the things we're doing so much so that we influence culture that culture begins to change in this northeast texas area in this 20 mile radius that it begins to look more like uh, matthew chapter 6 verse 10 radius where the kingdom of god is coming to this earth amen Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord's prayer. Remember that? That, that we have a kingdom impact so much that our, our influence changes the dynamics of this 20-mile radius. And that's not going to happen just us being a church. That's going to happen because somebody in this room is called to be mayor. Somebody in this room is called to be city council member. Somebody in this room is called to be on the school board. Somebody in this room is called to be, uh, lead up a Christian businessmen's association. Somebody in this room is called to lead up a Christian women's association. Somebody in this room is called to get outside of these four stinking walls and go have a profound influence on our community so much so businesses start operating different. Government starts operating different. Our whole city starts operating with a kingdom mindset and we even eradicate poverty in this 20 mile radius come on now and wouldn't it be awesome as our as our reach uh, last year was to, to to touch base with all the kids that are affected with the CPS program what if in our 20 mile radius CPS never had to do a call now that's changing some culture and so it's thinking like this thinking differently like this that we must be cognizant of to see an influence take place in our area and the title of this morning's message is merge There's got to be a merging in our life if we're going to see God do what he's called us to do. And the term merge means to combine or cause to combine to form one single entity. I titled that this morning because if we're going to do this thing reach and we're going to do this this reaching right, this raising eternal and community hope right and at a high level, we must go back to the very beginning of what we must do as a church in its purest form and we must begin to start from that area because we can all go out there with great ideas, great humanitarian aid efforts, great, great physical acts and works that we can do, but if we don't do it empowered by the Spirit of God. We're just doing works of our hand and not work of the Spirit. And I don't want to do a work of the hand. I want to do a work of the Spirit. I don't want to just go out and feed the hungry. I want to feed the hungry and I want to get them saved and born again and Spirit-filled in the process. Come on now. I don't want to do a work of the hand. I want to do a work of the Spirit. And Jesus, when he did work of the hand, it was always done because it was a work of the Spirit. And so reach in its purest form is an overflow of worship. Raising eternal and community hope in its purest form is an overflow of worship. Now, I want you to scrap your definition of worship. We're going to give you a new one here in a minute, okay? Because some of you, when I said worship, how is reaching its purest form an overflow of my song singing? And worship is not song singing. Okay, we're going to get into a new definition here in a minute, but I don't want you to get distracted by that. And so we must do something that is, if we're going to reach, reaching is something that must be done from within, not something just done with our hands. And there are two camps in almost every church. You have on one end of the spectrum, you have the worshipers or those who call themselves worshipers. On the other end of the spectrum, you got the ones who call themselves the workers or the doers. And it seems like in every church you go to, you got the worshipers and you got the doers. 
And the worship camp says, well, if I wish they would just get a little bit more spiritual. The doer camp is, I wish they would quit praying so much and actually get to work and get something done. <laughs> right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There must be a merging. Because reach, raising eternal and community hope in its purest form is an overflow of worship. And if we're only uh, just a doer and we're just doing works of the hands and we're not doing it by the power of the spirit, we're not doing much at all. But if we're over here and we think worship is just song singing and oh, how great it is to be in the secret place in the presence of the Lord, I never want to leave. Then nobody's getting saved. Come on now. And I love my secret place in the presence of the Lord more than you can ever imagine. And in my secret place in the presence of the Lord, it's absolutely phenomenal. And I never want to leave that place. So you know what I got to do? I don't have to leave that place. I got to figure out how to take that place with me as I go do the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to leave that place, but you got to figure out how to get that place to go with you. And so we must have a merging that takes place between the workers and the worshipers or the worshipers and the doers. If what we do is not birthed out of a passion for what we worship, in our case, who we worship, we're going to miss it altogether. What we do must be birthed out of a passion for what we worship or who we worship as believers. Such as, there there are, um, I don't want to... I don't want to sound th- this to sound ugly, but, but in the same sense, if you look at your life, you'll figure out what you really worship. And your actions many times are based off of a passion for what you worship. And uh, the, uh, I love soccer. My kids, they love to play soccer. And they're developing a passion for soccer. And i got to be careful that in their passion for soccer, they don't start worshiping soccer. So soccer is not their lifestyle, but in the midst of their soccer playing life, they bring worship or the kingdom of God into it because their passion is more for the Father who they worship than a thing that they're doing that they worship. Okay, does that make sense? And so many of us, will, will, if you look at your life, everything rotates basically around what you worship. Some of you, your life rotates around your kids. That means you worship your kids. Some of you, your life rotates around church. That means you worship church. I want you, your life, to rotate around the Spirit of God working within you. That means you worship God. Okay? So, so if you look at what your life rotates around, many times it'll tell you what you worship. And what we do must be birthed out of a passion for who we worship as God the Father. And so as we go reach, raise eternal and community hope around the, the, the world this year, around a four-state area this year, but mostly this 20-mile radius this year, what we do must be birthed out of a passion for who we worship. So when we go to redo teacher's lounges at the end of July, beginning of August this upcoming year, put it on your calendar, take a vacation week. I don't want you to just do it because you're a doer. I want you to do it because you're a worshiper. And we're doing it as an act of worship to the Father. Well, how can painting a wall be an act of worship to the Father? See, if you're a true worshiper first, which we must be, then everything we do should become an act of worship. Right? Right? 
So as we, we must focus in our life how to become a true worshiper. Jesus said it best. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second, like unto it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. But you can't love your neighbor as yourself unless you first truly get this aspect of loving the Father down correctly. And so we must begin to change our perspective on some things. And so we must begin to be true worshipers in the purest sense of what God's called us to do. And many people, many people do this, and this is, this is a scary thought. They do actions thinking it will create passion rather than letting passions create their actions. They do works trying to create a passion but I find the people who do works that try to create a passion only end up living a life of misery when those people who have a passion and they do works based off their passion have a life of pure joy. Yeah. And, and what, what do I mean by this? Some of you have set out great um, humanity mindsetted resolutions for your new year. I'm going to read more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to do this stuff more in hopes I can fall in love more with God. No, you need to start falling in love more with God and so your reading and your prayer time becomes a, a, a fruit of your love for God. See, this is what the Pharisees had so backwards. We fast more than anybody. We pray more than anybody. We give tithes more than anybody. We even tithe to the very smallest mint and dill. And they tried to create a passion through works. And you're trying to create a passion through works only creates legalism and misery. But when, you, when, when John wrote the book of Revelation, he told the church, he said, go back to your first love, not your first works. He said, go back to your first love because if you fall back in love, come on now, you're going to want to do the works that you did in the beginning and then you'll see a profound difference. Such as, how many of y'all have been married over 10 years? Raise your hand real high. All right. So you know within 10 years, there are times when you get into the thing called the rut. Right? And many people get into this thing called the rut and so they start doing acts of discipline trying to create passion but it only creates more misery because they're not getting the desired results the problem is is once you get into this place called the rut you can't go back to a works because works didn't get you in there in the first place love got you into marriage in the first place come on now i'm just speaking very naively on that one okay love got you into marriage in the first place okay so you must go back to what got you there you must go back to falling in love once again, not falling into works once again. Now, with marriage comes work. Give me an amen if you've been married 10 years or longer. Come on. With marriage comes work. But if it's work that's based out of a passion for the one you love, the work is doable and it's actually enjoyable sometimes. But if you're trying to do a group of works to create a new passion, you're going to find yourself in misery because they're not going to live up to your expectation. It is the same way with Jesus Christ. It's the same way with the church. Many people get saved and born again and they fell in love with Jesus. But after time, they went into this thing called the rut. And then they go back to, how do I get back to this love? And so you start doing it by works. And works didn't get you into love. Works never got you into love. The Holy Spirit made you fall in love with the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So in falling in love, when you get into the rut and you feel like you fell out of love, and when you feel like you fell out of love, you can't go to a works-based discipline to get back into love because that's not what you got you in love in the first place. You must go back to your first love, and that's Jesus. See, this is going to set some of y'all free. Some of y'all have tried to read eight chapters a day since the new year trying to fall back in love. Quit! Just, just go talk to him. Just talk. Tell him you love him once again. And listen, love isn't a feeling. If you're waiting for the feeling to feel if you're in love again, you, you, you should mature past that as a believer. You should greatly mature past that. But in this... If you are in that rut as a believer, and so many believers are there, and they're doing pharisaical works of discipline to try and fall back into love, but they're only in a place of misery, stop it all and go back and go to the place where if I'm going to truly do this thing called reach, i got to fall back in love. Because anything we do that, that's based out of works is going to fall short of the spiritual expectancy that we're wanting. But anything we do as a product of the love that we have for the Father will have great and phenomenal influence to change culture moving forward. Does, does that make sense? If you're with me, say amen. amen. Okay, I just want to make sure we got that, that right. There must be a merging Becoming a one entity between our worshiping and our reaching. There's got to be a merging. We can no longer separate it. And so if we're no longer separating, there's got to be a merging between our, our worshiping and our reaching. Let's talk about reaching, raising eternal and community hope. Our reach should be a product of our love for God displayed in actions that show love for God to other people. And that's when Jesus said, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second of like unto it, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. These two things, loving God first, making sure he is our first love once again. And if you're not sure if he's your first love or not, then he's not your first love. If you got to ask yourself the question, is Jesus my first love, then he's not your first love. I mean, if you have to even ask that question, he's not. So if you know he's not good, you know the place where you need to start. Come on now, that's good stuff. Now you know where you need to start. And so in this process, if we're going to be effective, we must begin to, to, to know where we start, and that's falling back in love. And the effectiveness of our reach is contingent on our love for God, and the expression of our love is called worship. Worship is defined as this, love expressed. Worship is defined as love expressed. And now I told you, throw your old definition of worship out, singing songs, lifting your hands, going to the altar, all that's good, and it should be expression of your love for him, which could qualify it as worship. But if that's all you do as your expression of worship, you're missing out on a lot of worship. For example, I walked in this morning, and, and Grayson always gets here super early. Grayson's in our, in our Rage Youth group, and he's always here super early, and he's always serving, and he's always believing. He's up in the balcony, um, and he's always serving, and he's always here, and he's doing stuff. And, and, and I love it when Grayson, and I always call him, want to call him Pastor Grayson because his Instagram account says Pastor Grayson on it, and every time I scroll through it, I, I look at it, and I'm like, so I'm trying to call him by official names, not whatever, social, whatever. 
Anyways, back to what I'm talking about. He got, he got here this morning, and I needed some help because I didn't have time to do it. And I said, Grayson, can, can you just do me a favor? Can you set one of these on every chair in the sanctuary for me? And, and him and Price, when Price is here, they're always so faithful to do everything that, that I'm asking him to do on a Sunday morning if we need something to be finished out. And, he, and without, without even a hesitation, he looked at me and he said, sure, I would love to. Did you catch it? Sure, I would love to. Sure, I would love to. Not sure I'll do it. Not sure it's, a, it's something I got to fulfill as an obligation. I'll love to. And when he said, I'll love to, nobody loves putting those things out. He wasn't telling me he loved to do that. He was telling me he loved the Father, so I'll do it. And that's what I'm getting at. And, and, and the Rage Group is doing some phenomenal things like that in our church, and I love seeing it. But it's not because they, 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 they love so much the doing, it's they love their father so much, they're happy to do it. Yeah. And they do it with joy. And they do it with great, great expectation of watching God continue to work in their life. And I'll tell you this, he who is faithful in the little things, come on. Get ready for great and mighty things. So there is no small menial task in the kingdom of God, but every task in the kingdom of God should be a product of our worship because we love him, not a product of doing because I got to, because I go to the church, because I'm a paid staff member, because I'm in a base group, because I'm in the worship team, because ugh. I get sick just thinking about it. Our doing should be a product of our worship because why? Because we love to. We love to because we love to because we love him first. And that makes everything we do actually lovable. Come on now. If some of you, you know you're called to the profession that you're in, you can actually love it even though it's not the greatest working environment. Why? Because you're doing it as an act of worship, because you're being where God has called you to be to change this 20-mile radius that we are changing, amen, that we are reaching. So even though it's not the most optimal working conditions, you can still love to do it. And so I want us to change our perspective of worship. Worship is love expressed. How have you been expressing your passion for the Father? Now, this is a real question. I want you to answer it to yourself in your head. How have you been expressing your love for the Father? I'm so grateful for those. uh, I'm just going to brag on uh, on the Voorhees family just for a second. They they serve every Wednesday night with Feed My Sheep, and you need to come because it's super good food, and we have a great marriage series that we're in right now. And if you missed it last week, you missed a lot. But, But they do it, and they do it on a weekly basis, but... I know the working environment isn't optimal over there. How you feed about 150 people every Wednesday night out of that small kitchen with, with, with residential stuff in it, not even commercial grade stuff in it. I don't know, but they do it and it seems like they do it joyfully even though it's hectic. But they do it out of a passion for who they love. And everything you do should be done out of a passion for who you love because I worship him and that to the church and to God and the body of Christ, that is an expression of their worship. So when they're back there making them donuts like they did last week, they're worshiping. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. See, some of y'all missed it if y'all didn't get here for the donuts. And when they're back there making the taco bar, it's worship. See, y'all didn't know food could be so fun in church. That's their act of worship. 
And it's just, and I'll tell you, it's just as, as beneficial in the kingdom of God and in the sight of God as it is those who lay their hands on somebody and they raise them from the dead. It is just as beneficial. It is just as serious an act of worship. And so this is why there is no menial task in the body of Christ. Those who are ushers or greeters or on TWBC Connect, that is your act of worship. That's why it should be easy to smile when you do it. It's my act of worship. There's a reason I love doing what I'm doing this morning. It's my act of worship. I can't sing worth a flip. Everybody say amen. I can't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket. Everybody say amen. You know this if you're around me. Bless those who God's given spiritual ears around me. So I, this is my act of worship. Well, pastor, it's preaching. No, it's worship because it's an expression of my love for him. I do it because I love him. I go to some crazy, messed up countries, not because I want to, because I love him. I came to Sulphur Springs and stayed here because I love him. That's why I'm here, because I love him. I'm going to change this 20-mile radius, and we're all going to reach it together, because I love him. And you've got, you, you've got to get this love expressed thing, this worship thing down to a whole other level. If we're going to see effectiveness in how we reach. And this is how I know many of us have the wrong definition of worship. It's a term I'm going to throw out there, and it's called Christian atheism. Makes absolutely 100% no sense. You cannot have any two things farther from the ends of the spectrum. Because if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you love him, and you believe in God the Father who sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to not just live for us, but to live and to die and be raised again from the dead for us so we can have a new life in Christ Jesus and to empower us with the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, the atheism is nowhere in your theology. There is nobody who can talk to you into there is no such thing as there is no God. I mean, nobody can talk you into that. But atheism is the belief that there is no God. So what does the term Christian atheism mean? This is a definition that I'm going to throw out there. It's what Jesus even said, and I'll give you the scripture for it, for it in a minute. It's in our theology, we say we love God, we tell everybody we love God, but in our lifestyle, it's like there is no God. And I want to take it a step farther than that. I'm not just talking about the sinful lifestyle of believers. If you're in sin, quit. Stop. Get help. Get out. Jesus told the woman, go and sin no more. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time beating down people because of sin. Just quit. Stop it. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Quit. What I'm talking about is Christian atheism. Is we say in our theology, I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And the God who did miracles then can still do miracles now. But I never see an example of a miracle in a life. It's like we are, we're a Christian in our theology, but in our lifestyle, we see no power. So it's more like our lifestyle is atheism, but our theology is Christianity. And if our theology cannot transcend into our lifestyle, then it's really not your theology. <laughs> Lord Jesus, give me strength to keep going with this message. If we say we're a believer... 
And that's the common term. That's the, that's the hot term around You're a believer. Well, a believer that believes, it's not theology, it's lifestyle. And we have in, in, in mainline churches across America today an absence of the power of God in our daily lifestyle or expressions of our worship. So I come up with the term Christian atheism is this. We, Jesus said it best. Isaiah said of you, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts, your love for me, your love expressed worship is far from me. Jesus even said that to the Pharisees of his time. And so I want us to begin to think on a whole different level because if we're going to do this reach thing right, raise eternal and community hope, influence a 20-mile radius, uh, impact a four-state area, and ignite nations around the world, it cannot be something that's a work of our hand. It's got to be a work that's birthed in our spirit, and it's an overflow of our love for the Father. So therefore, we cannot ever get weary in well-doing because in due season, the Bible promises we'll reap a harvest, and so we're going to see the harvest come. It's just we got to fall more passionately, madly in love with the Father who created us. Come on now. And then not just fall in love with them. Worship him, which means love expressed as we go to work. When I go to work, there is no separation when I'm in this office or I'm at home of my love for my wife. I love her the same when I'm here. I love her the same when I'm at home. So much so that if I'm in a meeting with you and she calls, I stop my meeting and I answer the phone for her. Sorry, she comes first. And if I'm being in a meeting where I cannot answer my phone, I, pre- I preface it with her first. Honey, I'm going into a meeting. I won't be able to answer my phone so she, so she understands what, what I'm doing. But I say that for this reason. My love expressed for her doesn't stop when I leave the house and I'm out of her presence. It keeps on going. When I'm halfway around the world in another country, I prioritize my whole speaking schedule so I can Skype with her. Or FaceTime. We use FaceTime. Skype is the common term. So I can FaceTime with her. My expression of my love doesn't quit because I'm out of her presence. It can be no different in the body of Christ. When you leave this building, your love expressed cannot stop. It must actually increase because you're out of his presence, we're out of the worship service, we're out of the worship song set. If we're out of his presence, that doesn't mean our expression stops. It means we just express it differently for the different environments that we're in. Such as, uh, back to the feed my sheep, Lori and Chris and the family express their love for God through cooking. So when they come and they start doing what, what's in their heart to do as an expression of their love. They're, they're no more less worshiping than in the middle of a song set when everybody's moved to come to the altar in front and pray. And, and the thing we've got to come across as a church, if we're going to reach, raise eternal and community hope, it is not going to be because we draw all 65,000 people in this, in this 20-mile radius into this one facility. It's because this one facility rips the walls off and we go out there with an expression of the love of the Father that's unique to you in your individual life in a way that only you can represent his love. And I don't know what all your professions are, but you need to find a way to express your love for the Father on a daily basis. Not to him, not just to him. 
to everyone you come in contact with called worship. And in the midst of doing that, we're going to see something change. We're going to see life change happen. We're going to see life change happen. Worship, if reaching becomes our top priority, then we'll li- listen to this. As we go into to talking about worship just for a second. If reaching becomes our top priority and worship does not. If reaching becomes our top priority, we will only be an organization that reforms and not a ministry that transforms. We cannot settle for being an organization that only reforms people. We must be a ministry that raises eternal and community hope that transforms people. And transformed people is the only way a culture will ever change. Reforming does not change culture. Transforming changes the culture. You can have people, you can have two people go to jail. Jail is an organization that is supposed to reform people from their previous way of living to a different one. Many who come out of jail repeat offense. Because the reformation, the reforming didn't work. Therefore, organizations that are out there just reforming, they can do good work, but they cannot accomplish what God calls us to do. We must be a ministry that transforms, and transformation is this. It's called life change. You see it on the banners, and I want you to look at this paper that was on your chair, and I don't want one of these left in your chair that you're sitting with. Don't stuff it in the back. You take this home, and you hang it on your refrigerator, and you put it where you can see it every day. Because this is why TWBC exists. This is our mission statement. This is who we are. Our mission statement is life change. The mission of TWBC is life change. Our definition of life change is transformation. Transformation means leaving different because of an encounter with Christ. Now, I want to stop for a second. When I said leaving different, many of you thought leaving church different. I didn't say leaving church different. When somebody leaves your presence of your work day because you're working as an act of worship, they should be different and transformed because the encounter of Christ they had through you. Don't limit this mission statement to the building. You're doing God a great injustice. Don't limit it to the building. And life change consists of two things. Number one is salvation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Everybody say hallelujah. (laughs) Aren't you glad the old has passed away? But here's what you never embraced. The new has come. If the old has passed away, you got to embrace the newness that's coming. See, a lot of y'all are happy that the old man died, but you didn't embrace the new man that's supposed to live. See, I don't want you just to be happy that your sins are covered. I want you to embrace the new life that God's called you to live of an expression of worship, of love expressed that will transform communities and change lives. And it's also discipleship. 2 Timothy 3.17, that the man of God may be complete. Everybody say complete. Complete. Equipped for every good work. Worship team, y'all come on up. That the man of God may be complete. The man and the woman of God may be complete. Ministers, y'all come and begin to pray. What area of your life is incomplete this morning? What area of your life is incomplete? 
if our mission statement is truly transformation, God has something new coming for you this morning. And we want to equip you this morning that your life would be complete. Worship is love expressed. Our reaching has got to be a product of our worship, of our expression of his love. How is your life, your love of the Father right now at this moment? If you had to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, oh, I'm at number 7 in love with the Father. My number 3, number 5, maybe you're a good place, bad place. This is just for you to know. Because if it's anything less than all out 100% passion for your Father, then you're incomplete. 